into it, I, I want you to have in the title for the dessert, Dealing with Uncertainty. Dealing with Uncertainty. See, if we look at Second Chronicles uh, 20, 12, we do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. So when we look at that, see, as a leader, you'll be called upon to make decisions regarding relationships, money, time, values, opportunities, and disputes. And your decisions will show up on the bottom line. We're talking about ledgers again. We're talking about your life again and how we actually going to go into this new year. Make sure that everything is up to par. Make sure all everything is up to spec. See, there, in, in the clear light of day, our leadership will be judged. It's all about leadership. And there's something else we need to know. In the realm, it takes longer to recognize your brilliance or stupidity because we're forced to lead for long periods of time without benefit or of knowing if we made the right call. By the time our crop starts coming in, it's too late to change our agricultural procedure. We gotta get in the field and we gotta know before we go. That's the preparation and the plan. We have to wait until the next season of planning if we don't do it right. It, when it comes to leadership, uncertainty is a permanent part of the process. You got to know that's a permanent part of the process. It never goes away. Furthermore, uncertainty isn't an indication of poor leadership. Just so people are clear, it is not an indication of poor leadership if you do not know. It just underscores the need for it. It's the environment in which good leadership is most often discovered. We have to create the culture for extraordinary leadership. As a leader, we may think we should always know what to do, but in reality, there will be few occasions when we are absolutely certain. This is why King Jesupheth prayed, we do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. Since you can constantly be called on to make decisions, that's what leaders do. They make decisions all the time with limited information. Our goal should not be to eliminate uncertainty, but to develop the ability to trust God and be courageous and clear in spite of it. It's not our job to remove uncertainty. It's our job to inspire clarity, faith, and progress in the midst of it all. Now, when we can do that, we're learning to be a leader. See, when you understand Joshua 1.9, the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go, wherever you go, wherever you go. See, when Moses passed the torch to Joshua, a lot of things had to change. For 40 years, Joshua had been taught to navigate, just like what, you know, Patty just said, I, I was taught this, I was, I was taught this, I was taught to navigate and survive in the wilderness. But now it was time to enter to, the, and you, got, you got to go into the promised land, Patty. See, and what worked in the wilderness didn't necessarily work in the promised land. Uh, can you just hear Joshua's thoughts? I know a lot, uh, I, I know a lot about wandering, but not much about warfare. So God told him, be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Why would God tell Joshua to be strong and courageous? Because he must have felt anxious. We got to worry about those feelings again. Felt anxious. Your feelings ain't got no place here. Everything about this new situation reeked of uncertainty. The only thing Joshua knew for sure was that God had said, go. So Joshua commanded the people saying, Prepare yourselves, for within three days, you are going to cross the Jordan and possess the land. 
Hey, can, can you just imagine the people's thoughts question? I mean, but Joshua, how are we going to get across the river? Answer, I'm not sure, but in three days, be ready to go. Question, but Joshua, what, what are we going to do when we get to the other side? Answer, I'll tell you when we arrive. Just be ready to move out. If we get this picture and understand it in clarity, as a leader, we will always be in a state of uncertainty for so many things, especially when we go into new territory, especially when you're pulling that fish out of its element and you got to go out of your, your comfort zone, your territory to find all the things that you need because you aren't going to find fish on the land. But you can never afford to be unclear or in doubt as you're calling when you understand your calling when you understand your vision and when you understand your ultimate victory that you cannot be uncertain about and where does such confidence come from the covenant god's promise i am with you see when you look at psalms 32 8 and you look at dealing with uncertainty. I'm still in uncertainty. I want you guys to get this for the dessert. That's the title and understanding dealing with uncertainty. I will instruct you, Psalms 32, 8, I will instruct you in the way you should go. I will guide you. I was listening to Dr. John Maxwell while I was sitting there in front of him, uh, literally two feet in front of me, and we were about to have lunch, and we're sitting there, and he said, he points out, in order to thrive in uncertain territory, you must be able to do the following things. Number one, understand your certainty quotient. You got to think back to your last big decision and, and how that turned out and how it turned out right. How certain were you when you did it? 80%, 50%? If your best decisions are usually made at 75% mark, that's your certainty quotient. You got to have a certainty quotient. When you reach that point, it's time to stop debating and start moving. So number one, you need to understand your certainty quotient. Number two, you need to express your uncertainty with confidence, meaning being authentic and transparent. You never look at successful people and assume that a single-handedly man or woman took this in with no hesitation, that they fearlessly navigated the currents of uncertainty in those waters. No, they just understood that each step, answers would be given. So instead of pretending to know more than you do, begin to encourage a culture of transparency is what I'm here to do, that fosters the free exchange of ideas. I don't ever act like I know everything. In fact, when I say I know everything, that means I know nothing. Uh, see, when you don't know, just say, I don't know. But you got to understand, it's like, well, how do I do this? How do I do that? How do I get business accounts? How do, how do I go and do the gas? How do I do electricity? How do I do all this stuff? Where do I get the money from? Why don't you make the first step of making the decision and stick with a decision you made? Then the how-to for financing will come. Whether it's one penny a day or it comes in a lump, you'll be amazed. God will open up a window once the decision is made. How am I going to go and get my first 10 services? How am I going to go and get my first 10 clients? How am I going to go and build me a 10000 a month income? Why don't we break it down? We have, an, we have a birth, right? right? We have a, a birth start, not an end start, not a dead end, not a goal that we finish but a vision that will continually unravel. With each step, we're going to learn what to do, how to do it, where to do it, why to do it. We're going to go out there and fail dramatically forward on intention to figure out, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, uh, I'm curing cancer. Well, that didn't work. That's a success. I know what doesn't work. You guys have heard me talk about that before. 
So we got to get to number three, which is consult others. Why don't you find the people, consult? That doesn't mean take up someone's time. That means that you write down three, four questions that will answer and give you the answer for you to get up off your tough and go take action. Not that you need clarity. You'd be amazed how many people are like, I just need clarity. I just need to have a conversation for clarity. No, no, well, I, I, got, I got my own problem with my vision and clarity, so I don't have time to help you with yours. But if you're clear on your vision and your purpose and your intent and your calling and your anointing, and I'm clear on mine, and we go to work, we can figure out everything else together in doing the work, not talking about the work. So number three is consulting others. See, I want you guys to get this. I mean, King Solomon wrote more about seeking counsel than any other writer in the Bible. Do kings need good input? Absolutely, emphatically, yes. And only those with the humility to acknowledge it ever prosper. And then we have number four, right? So if we have number one, understand your certainty portion. And we have number two, which is express your uncertainty with confidence. And we have number three, consult others. Make sure you have wise counsel around you. And then number four, measure your success by the scoreboard, not the playbook. Listen to what I just said. Measure your, your success by the scoreboard, not the playbook. Every great coach goes into the game with the plan, but he is always willing to change it in order to win. Pencil in your plans, but write your vision in ink. Oh, that's powerful. Hopefully y'all got that. Let me say it again. Pencil in your plans, but write your vision in ink. Great leaders, like great coaches, are often forced to abandon or amend some of their plans in order to deliver on the vision. The ones who do that are the ones that reach their destination, their destiny. It's calling on your life. The people that want to step up and make things happen. You don't need an upline. You don't need an overseer. You don't need a boss. It's a very simple thing. If you fail enough times, you'll figure out what to do right. And then you can go to a mentor and say, this is what I've been doing. And, and the teacher can then tell you, this is how you can do it more effectively and efficiently. But if you ain't done nothing, if you aren't on the court swinging the racket, serving the ball, I can't tell you that you aren't bending your knees. You're still in the stands wanting to have a conversation. Well, how do I win Wimbledon? How do I get into the tournament? How do I qualify? That's stupid on a coach's part, on my part, for having a conversation with you in the stands. And there's always more people in the stands than there are people on the court. There's only one, two, or three people on the court. So for you, just like me, I have to get great at identifying, okay, there's only 24 hours in a day, Byron. You're going out two days with no sleep. Look at my energy this morning with the little sleep that I have. I'm on fire. I'm going straight to the gym. Everybody else, I'm tired. I, if I don't get sleep, I don't operate right. If I don't eat, I don't operate right. Great. Then you just already dysfunction. Because I operate better when I'm just going, when I'm in the cave, when I'm actually Elon Musk, when I'm, when I'm Einstein, when I'm figuring it out, while everybody else is in there. I'm at the top of the charts. You see everybody posting on all these Facebooks. I'm number one. I'm this. I'm that. I'm number three. This is where I'm going. I, I have established why I'm putting this component and this team together. I don't have time to be on social media seeing how many likes I get 
and what my posts look like and reading somebody else. People say, well, you were just on Facebook. Well, I saw your, uh, I, I text you and your WhatsApp is on. My WhatsApp stays on all night. It's on my computer. My, comp my, 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 my Facebook and my Instagram, they stay on. I got four or five people that got access to all this. Just because it's on don't mean I'm on there. Stop looking for me. Go find you. I'll find you. If you're doing something, I'll find you. It's a real simple philosophy. The ones doing something, Miss, Mrs. You know, Jocelyn Driscoll, she know how to find me. Renata know how to find me. The people doing something know how to find me. And I don't have to wonder if they're doing something. <laughs> but if I got to even wonder, me being you, you being me, you got to wonder if somebody's doing something, here's my promise. They ain't doing nothing. <laughs> If you got to even be curious if they're doing something, I promise you they ain't doing nothing. Oh, they're doing something. They're doing nothing. <laughs> oh, let me close with my, with my poem that is going to be my, 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 and I think I shared it maybe once or twice this year. I'm going to close every one of my presentations this year with this, this conversation and this poem I have in my head. And it comes from, and it was inspired by James 1.14, we have seen his glory. It's a very powerful conversation. It's called, I met the master face to face. Some of y'all that have been on my calls may have heard it once. It says, I, I met the master face to face. He said, I, I walked life's way with an easy tread. I had followed where comforts and pleasures led until one day in a quiet place, I met the master face to face with station and rank and wealth for my goal. That was my goal. Much thought for my body, but none for my soul. I entered to win in life's mad race when I met the master face to face. I met him and knew him and blushed to see that his eyes full of sorrow were fixed on me. And I faltered and I fell at his feet that day while my castles melted and vanished away. Melted and vanished and in their place, not else did I see but the master's face. And I cried out loud, oh, make me meet to follow the steps of thy wounded feet. My thought is now for the souls of men. I have lost my life to find it again. Ere since one day in a quiet place, I met the master face to face. Ah, oh, that was a good dessert. I hope y'all enjoyed it as much as me. And I approve this message. That was dessert.